Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. Well, happy midweek to everyone, or those of you who do join us on Wednesday when this gets released. Uh, Many of you may be catching up and you listen weeks later. So either way, uh, we're glad you could join us again. And uh, we're just going to continue in our conversation that we had last week on this whole idea of does it matter with our overarching theme of theology for doxology. If you didn't join us last week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen because we really kind of set the stage for that. And now what we're going to do today is we're really going to just continue to ask questions, which is what we did last week. And we, we ask the questions with the hope that we answer the question, does it even matter or does it matter? And, it's, and I think that's a very effective tool for study and conversation and dialogue is if you're going to – I mean, a lot of times when Jesus was asked questions, he would ask another question. I will ask you also a question. Yes. <laughs> and, and I think that's – it helps us think through things and really clarify what we think as right. we did so much of last questions year. Questions open our minds. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're just going to continue on that, um, that format and really just asking these questions and dialoguing about it. Um, really, the next question that's kind of really important is, who is God? We kind of sort of asked that question last week, we but didn't really on, answer it. We knocked on the door a bit. Yeah. You know, um, I've been doing some reading, some really good stuff uh, when it comes to worship. And, uh, um, and one of the things I, I came to was this idea that since worship, and I believe worship is our ultimate priority, and it's our eternal priority. And since that is so, and our eternal activity and ultimate activity, then how we worship and what we worship are extremely important. Because Last, quite frankly, everybody is worshiping something. Yes. Well, the reason that is so is but, but lest we worship the wrong thing or we worship him incorrectly or not at all. I mean. MacArthur points out that when you worship incorrectly, you're really not worshiping. You just uh, think you are, you know. Uh, but we will not worship as we ought if we do not see God as He is. So that's important that we see God as He is, not as we think He is. Mm. And so when we say, who is God, uh, you know, we're all, um, that's, a, that's an ultimate question. So basically what you're saying is, and what I'm understanding you saying is, as we ask this question is, if you don't know who God is correctly, you can't worship God correctly now. Or even at all. At all. I, th- I think we have to leave room for growth, sanctification. Uh, yes. yes. And I think the scriptures leave room for growth. But we still have to have a proper concept of God. But – Anybody we're discipling, anybody we're working with, maybe a new believer or believer, a young believer, or maybe just someone who hasn't been taught much, they've been a believer a while, this question has to be answered and has to be defined and, and built out. Well, you remember a few weeks ago, uh, we started a Bible study hour, uh, a study uh, about uh, of the Apostles' Creed. I was going to bring that up. Well, so with uh, great minds, think I'm alike. So I, we didn't even talk about that, did we? <laughs> no, we didn't. But it, it makes sense, right? It does. And you it's remember perfect. The, yeah, the yeah, Apostles' yeah. Creed begins with, I believe, 
in God, the, the Father, Father Almighty, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. That's basic. I mean, there's more to say about God, but if you want the basic bottom line, He's Almighty, He's Creator of heaven and earth, and He's our Father. And um, so, um, God, you know, we we ask the question: Is God real? And so, in the in this question, is God, <laughs> you know, uh, what who is God? Well, the question is: God does He is He and is? But and we believe that He is, of course. But who is He? And at the very basics of it, you know. There are passages like Psalm 19, 1 and 2, and we'll go to that a little bit more later, but the heavens declare the glory of God. This firmament shows His handiwork. Day to day, utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where His voice is not heard. That's something of the omniscience and omnipotence of God, but, but still, it acknowledges the reality of God. It assumes the reality of God. Now, that's an important part about Scripture. If you're a Christian and you're trying to argue that Bible, the Bible proves God. Hmm. Well, and I was just going to say, you. The problem, the reason we go awry in our thinking about God is because we do not look to the scriptures right. in our thinking about God at all. We yeah. we literally, as we said last week, come up with our own concept that fits our narrative. Or even how we want to cope with life, and that's believer or non-believer, right? And so then we create a God that helps us cope. Yeah, yeah. In our own mind, ideas and heart, and, and we feel good about it. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, the scriptures has a way. Well, not unfortunately. Fortunately, the scriptures has a way of really defining that and setting us straight if we're willing to look at it. Right. Well, and the scriptures don't, by and large, try to prove God. They just assume He is. Right. But there's this grand assumption that God is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently or fervently or genuinely seek Him. Hebrews writer, Hebrews wrote that those who come to God must believe that He is, and that He rewards those who genuinely and diligently seek Him. So, um, so yes, there we are. Um, who is God? God is Father. God is Spirit. God is many other things that we'll discuss at other times. Here's one that I think would be a good one to ask, and, and the reason I say that is is because we've talked a lot about how we make God in our own image. So if we tend to do that, then the question would be, who is God like? Does he like <laughs> us at all? I mean, we are made yeah. in his image. Yeah. So so what? how do we define that or put, put our like, arms around that? What's he like? But yeah. who is he like first? And um, it's, um, it's interesting that by and large, humanity and human culture rejects the biblical idea of God. They, they, what may be known of God is manifest in them in their conscience. And, yeah, the law of God yeah. is written on their heart, which would explain why people like Abraham, who didn't even have the law yet, was obedient. You know what I'm saying? It was written upon his heart. Right. We tend to think of God in human terms. Now, the scriptures use human ways of, of describing what God does. We call those anthropomorphisms. It's, it's using a human trait to describe God so that we weak and unwise humans can at least have some concept of God, like uh, he hides you under his feathers. You know, right. Uh, God's obviously. Well, it, it it allows us to 
conceptually think about God. Because yeah. because God is other than us. Yes. His thoughts are not our thoughts, as Jeremiah says. His ways are not our ways. Right. They're past finding out, but we're still supposed to seek him. We, we There is a need, and I think the Scriptures does this well, to define what is God like. Right. And so the only way to do that for those of us who are finite, not infinite, is to do it within our sphere. Yes. And within our terms, and I don't mean on our terms, but within our but terms. But in some way we can yeah. grasp. In some way we can grasp. So that it illustrates that. Yeah. what he does. Now, Psalm 50, verse 21 is interesting. It's an interesting indictment. The psalmist speaking under inspiration of God and, and speaking for God says, um, you thought that I was just like you. King James says that I was altogether such a one as yourself. I will prove you and state the case in order before your eyes. You get the feeling there's a not just an indictment, but a promise of conviction for thinking the wrong thing about God. You thought I was like you. Right. I'm not anything like you. Well, and you know, you look at the Jews, and again, God worked providentially through this to bring about his plan for Christ coming to the earth and dying for us. But you look at the Jews and how when he came, though many knew the scriptures, they did not understand the true reasoning behind his coming. They right. saw him as a political, you know, deliverer as opposed yeah. to a a redeemer. Yeah. Somebody which is crazy because you look at all the concepts in the Old Testament, the kinsman redeemer, the all these ideas of redemption is is throughout their history and their laws and their interactions yeah. with one another, and yet right. they missed him because in their mind he was a political deliverer. Yeah, and this brings up uh, a thought that our danger, the danger we face is not that we will make too much of God, mm. but that we will make too little of Him. I know where you're him. going, yeah. yeah. It, mm. It's interesting when I've heard, I forgot who this quote came out some time back, but um, this person was talking about the health, wealth, gospel, right. and what the health, the purveyors of the health, wealth, gospel are doing, he said, the problem is not that they promise uh, uh, that they um, that they make God promise too much. It's that they make Him promise too little. <laughs> you know, th- they think all the stuff that you can get from God. God's great, and He's your friend, and He takes up your case. And if you have faith, you can move God to give you all the stuff. That stuff's little stuff. He has much more in mind. God is in in the business of stuff that's much much bigger than cars, Cadillacs, or whatever Mercedes or Beamers or big houses and lots of money. He's much. He has much more for that. Us you sound like that. Piper now. Was that? Was that? Yeah. <laughs> no, Maybe just, it might have been him made the quote. It just sounds like, well, you know, it's interesting if you've watched much football in the last I don't know four or five months. Yep. There's a commercial or people. There's a group of people doing commercials that you know Jesus is like us. I don't know if he gets seen us. It. He gets us. That's yeah. it. Um, thank you. Thank yeah. you for the clarification. And they go through, and now they've got this new one where they're interviewing people, and it's pretty super trendy, and you know mm-hmm. whatever. And so it gets your attention. Yeah. But when you, if you're any kind of student of the word, and you listen to this, you're just like, uh, well, why do we want a God that? And and I don't want to be careful with this because God does understand us in that He, he was does. tempted in every Christ. way we were. Lived as a man, so he can identify in that way, so that he can 
die on our behalf. But he doesn't get us from the standpoint of our sin, meaning we actually do the sin. Right. He does not get that. And that's how they're portraying it. He's one of us. And it's like, yeah. no, we don't want a God that's one of us in the sense of he's like us or that he somehow sins in the same way. They don't say that, but that's the implication. Yep. You know, he struggles in the same way that our society struggles and had the same. And it's like, no, we don't want that because if so, now we serve a weak God. That's what the Greeks did. Yeah. They had gods who had the same struggles they did, just bigger. You know, they did, they struggled with greed and they struggled with uh, lust and other things. These gods, they were great and mighty, but they, they got us. Well, strength you know? <laughs> in like physical strength. And yeah. maybe some kind of, you know, superhuman or hero type power. Yeah. But they weren't all knowing, all encompassing. Well, and, and I guess to answer the question, what is God like? Uh, you know, God says, "To whom will you compare me?" The negative is more helpful right now, and we're going to talk more about what God is like. But right now, to begin with, He's. It's what he's not like. He's not like what we think. Right. He's not like what we naturally would paint. Uh, we not in paint our a picture state. of God or yeah. write a story about God. We wouldn't write the Bible. You would write something else, and a lot of things have been written. Yeah, yeah and I think we often define who God is like based upon our experiences. I think our experiences really form that. Yeah. And so if you've had a pretty easy life, then then you define God in that terms. But if you had a pretty hard life, then you – Define God in those terms, and there's no – I don't even like to use the word balance because that's not what we're looking for. There's no real biblical basis for what we think. Yeah, we uh, we design God in a way that we want him to be. Yeah. Yeah. We're comfortable. There's a comfort level. Oh, and that's what we want. We want yeah. to be comfortable with our God. We don't yeah. want God to make us uncomfortable because then we might have to think about something that we should have to deal with. Yeah. Their own life, yeah, yeah, and 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 the God of the Bible, we have to deal with our sin. We have to deal with who we are before Him. So we talked about who is God, what is God like, but kind of rounding these questions out for this episode, and and we talked about it last episode. Can this God that we're exalting right now, as we talk about Him, that's what we're doing. He's he's pretty much different than us, right? Can He be known? Yeah, and that brings us back to that original um, thing I said. We cannot worship God as we ought if we do not see him as he is. Now, knowing God is crucial to eternal life because Jesus right. said uh, uh, that they may uh, – and this is uh, – and this is um, – Salvation is knowing God. That's what he equated with, yeah. and, and the only Son whom he has sent. Now, there are, there are different aspects of knowing or knowing about God. I mean, we, we, we uh, quoted earlier Psalm 19, that heavens declare the glory yeah. of God, the firmament shows his handiwork. But right past that is the holiday of God's law, God's judgments, yeah. God's word. God has revealed himself both generally and personally and specifically. Generally, He's revealed us in creation and in conscience. You know, so creation shows God in a general way. I mean, it's evidence that God exists. Now, people may not think it's enough evidence, but 
Well, I, I also think we tend to focus on one aspect of God, which is, again, kind of part of that whole concept we've been talking about of creating God in our own image. We create a God that is just love, but not a God of wrath. Right. Or understanding how his love and his wrath dwell together, or God of mercy and grace, or justice, you know. Yeah. And so I think that's part of the problem is is, is that we don't study all the attributes of God. Right. We, we only pick the, the attributes picture. that we like. Yeah. You know, the big thing now in the NFL, and I watch a lot of football, so that's why I keep using this, but is that, uh, you know, I think it's maybe their thing is, is be love. Yeah. It's like, okay, what does that even mean? How, how do we define that? Right. I get, well, what it is is whatever you want it to be, <laughs> you know. A number of years ago, I was, uh, and honestly, some of these things I've said before probably, so folks can That's forgive okay. me, because over time you forget what you say, right? <laughs> but I was visiting a man, I was visiting a man in the hospital who was dying. He was not attached to the church in any way. His family, some of his family members were members of my church. It was a rural area. So I went to visit him. I wanted to share the gospel with him, but he wasn't really too with it. Mm-hmm. And his his daughter was there, who, by the way, was a member of the church where I was pastor. And I asked about him and his spiritual life. She said, well, you know, my dad never – he never really joined the church or, you know, <laughs> anything. But, but I believe God is a gentle God, and I believe he'll be okay. That was the essence of what she said. And so that's what they're hanging their hat on. Well, what she did, she just attributed to God – a, a quality that comforted her, that made her feel okay about her dying dad. Or there's the extreme of, I don't believe there's a God, so it doesn't even matter. Yeah. yeah there's, so there's both yeah. extremes, and somewhere in the middle. Yeah. yeah. But both are lost. Yeah. Spiritually. I, I had someone at the church a couple of weeks ago ask me a question. And it's interesting how they form the question, is a believer, so no, no, and loves the Lord and genuinely wants to grow in Christ, but it's just interesting how we think. We tend to kind of differentiate between those who grew up in the church and knew about God and those who didn't have come from Christian homes and became believers, and we kind of tend to put an emphasis on maybe one is greater than the other or whatever. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, something we have to remember is that no matter if you grew up in the church and heard about God all your life or you grew up in the most godless family, never heard about God and came to know Christ, then at the end of the day, you still have to both deal with God in the exact same way. You have to come to grips with who God is yep. and how you will respond. Will you respond in faith or rejection? Right. There is no difference. There is no difference. So this idea of can God be known, all of us must pursue and seek God, and it matters. It matters for your eternal destination, and it matters even here on life as you interact with your fellow man and seek to reflect who God is in the image that you've been created. Well, it goes back to the verse I tried to quote a while ago, and I couldn't get it right, but John seventeen three. this is eternal life. I almost did that, but I was like, I don't want to mess up. I don't know which one he's on. (laughs) (laughs) That they may know you, the only true God, Mm. and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, that's pretty basic. Yeah. God is not only knowable, it is absolutely imperative that we know him. Then the question comes, how do we know him? 
going back to the creed, if I remember correctly, Christian, one of our pastors, is the one teaching in the class. And I can't remember. I don't have it in front of me, but Moeller made the point, something along this lines. I'm going to butcher it because I don't have it in front of me, and I wish I did. I wrote it down. But basically, God is not any less than this, this creed that we put out. He's not any, yeah. But you can't believe any less than this. Yeah, it's not that God is certainly more than this. Right. But he's not any less. less. And you than can't this. believe any less than this. Yeah. You must believe this about God. And if you don't get this, then you're going to have a problem. <laughs> and it hit me because I was like, wow, that's, that's it, why we must define and that's why we must know. Yeah. It, it would be wrong for us to say you have to know all there is to know about God. And understand. Well, he's eternal. How could you? Yeah. Yeah. We will spend eternity, those of us who do know him, getting to know him better, coming to know more of him. Uh, MacArthur brings this out in his book on worship that the attributes we discuss and read about in books, those aren't God's only attributes. If that were so, he wouldn't be infinite. He's infinite. He has infinite (laughs) attributes. And we'll be discovering and learning those and coming to know him more throughout eternity. Well, you know. Oddly enough, we're just going to continue to talk about this, so we probably should put a bow on these two episodes right, we, that we've done. <laughs> right. This is n- there's never a stopping place. No. Because and we're going to define it. We're going to dig into this idea of theology for doxology with the hope that we can encourage you, with the prayer that we can encourage you to live a life of worship. Not just what you do on Sunday morning when you go and sing, or even hear preaching. But to live, start on that Monday morning, between yeah. the Sundays, between yeah. the Sundays. Well, you know, we could say the same thing about our Sunday morning worship. Worship is certainly more than that, yeah. but it's not less than it's that. It's not less than it's that. It's certainly, yeah, that's important. Yeah. And um, we want theology and doxology to be of practical daily yeah. importance for us as the people of God. Absolutely. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. And hopefully you'll continue to join us over the weeks to come as we continue to pursue this idea of theology for doxology. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter, at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk the gospel for today and beyond.